All right, well, I am extremely gratified to be with you once again, and um, I hope that uh, our study today will be a blessing. Uh, before I get into that, though, I just wanted to give you an update of sorts as to where um, my ministry is going <coughs> and where I've been in the last uh, few months. First of all, uh, some of you know that I've been uh, producing a weekly podcast, which comes out on my website um, every Friday morning, and we're really getting close. Uh, my next recording session, I'll be recording the one-year anniversary show. It won't be posted until October, because I'm ahead of schedule, but it's pretty exciting to think that the Lord has blessed and has allowed me to continue to produce that for a year, and so I'm pretty excited about it, and uh, I just pray that you will continue to pray for me and continue to pray that this aspect of my ministry will continue to go, grow strong. I also have an internet radio ministry that some friends of mine have started, and I will be um, I'm in the process of becoming a daily contributor to that radio ministry. Um, it's called Real Remnant Radio. And you can listen at realremnantradio.com. There's also iPhone and Android apps um, for you to listen to that ministry. And it's just a really good mix of good Christian music as well as solid biblical teaching. Um, and I hope that you will uh, check it out and pray for us as we continue in the early stages of this ministry. All right, well... Um, Let's uh, bow our hearts before the Lord, and then we'll get into today's message. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you uh, for the privilege of opening your word. Uh, we know that there are so many in this world right now that would love to worship freely, and um, they're not able to uh, because their countries hate you and uh, will not allow them to. And so we want to follow your admonition to remember our brethren in chains. And we thank you for their fellowship in the gospel. And we ask that you would bless them today. And we just thank you again for the freedom that we have in this country. May we not take it for granted. And may we continue to be bold, no matter what our leaders decide. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, for those of you who have been here regularly, uh, we are studying through the book of Luke, and we are actually going to finish Luke chapter 1 this morning and get a start on Luke chapter 2 this afternoon. So, uh, this message I've titled A Testimony of God's Faithfulness and I have three uh, three main points that I want to get to this morning and so we will see how um, God directs as we, as we go through this um, as you know we kind of left on a cliffhanger last time um, because we were um, about to hear about the birth, well, we had heard about the birth of 
John the Baptist. And it was a, a common thing when a baby was born for parents to, to uh, wait about a week, a little bit more, before they officially named the child. And everybody would get together. It was a big deal. It was a big ceremony in the Jewish culture. And so all of these friends and relatives of Elizabeth and Zechariah who no doubt were dumbfounded by the fact that Elizabeth was the one that was sending out the birth announcements. Um, I'm sure it didn't go the way it does now, but uh, it's kind of interesting to think about what that would look like in today's culture. But anyway, these people come, and they're all excited, and we're just going to jump right in here, and Luke 161, so if you're following along... I'm in Luke 161. Luke 161 says, And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. Remember, she said to them, His name is John. She's not saying, you know, maybe John would be a good name. She says his name is John. And so um, they said, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made sign to his father how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table and wrote, saying, His name is John. And they marveled all. And his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed. And he spake and praised God. And fear came on all that dwelt round about them. And all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea and all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts saying what manner of child shall this be and the hand of the Lord was with him and it's just interesting the way this worked too is like um Zacharias, as we know, was struck and dumb, unable to speak for the duration of Elizabeth's uh, pregnancy, or at least uh, um, actually from the time he stepped out of the temple to the time that John was born, which must have been strange enough um, because he went into the temple with the full ability to talk, and we know that he spoke to the angel but he did not believe the angel and take the angel at his word. And so the angel said, I'm going to deal with you this way. You're not going to speak until your child is born. But it's interesting, too, that God required full obedience. And he wanted it active and he wanted it shown as full obedience. So he didn't lose Zachariah's tongue until he brought the writing table and he wrote his name is John. You know, God is very particular when, when he wants to use someone. Often, there will be a name or a name change associated with them. Thinking about um, what we'll study a little later this morning with Jesus himself. Both Joseph and Mary were told his name shall be called Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. 
And then with Paul, when he was Saul of Tarsus and he was breathing out threats to the people of Israel, throwing them in prison, killing them for the sake of the gospel, he was consenting to Stephen's death, and yet when, when he converted, when he gave his life to Christ, his name was changed to Paul. Now we don't know if God directly changed Paul's name, but we do know that the name change signified that this was not the same man who had been walking, who had been uh, riding his horse to Damascus. This was a man who had been knocked off his high horse and changed from the inside out. And this same man who said that he was going to kill the Christians that he was going to put them into prison, said, I am ready to be poured out of the drink offering. And I have fought the fight. And I have kept the faith. And I have finished the course which the Lord has set out before me. And he also said, those things that I once counted gain, I also count lost, that I may know Christ. So Jesus makes a difference. And often a difference is associated with a name change. So names are important to God. And I just wanted to do a little bit of a rabbit trail to talk about that. But as we look at this, we, we see, you know, it's not so much the way it is in our culture, but apparently in, in their culture, it was very important for people to have family names. I know that's one of the reasons why my one of my nephews is Philip Jr. is because my brother's wife's family often uses family names from generation to generation and she wanted the same thing for their family. So names are important. And we have Zacharias here and uh, Elizabeth is saying his name is John. And they don't really put much stock in what Elizabeth says because ultimately, by their culture, it's the father who names the baby. And so they're waiting with bated breath to see what, what Zacharias will write because he can't speak at this point because he's he's been under this uh, sentence of silence because of God's divine providence and he motions for a writing table and he writes his name is John and his mouth was opened immediately imagine for a moment if you will if he had not written his name is John if he had decided that Zacharias was a pretty good name which it was. There's nothing wrong with the name Zacharias. But God wants obedience. And so at the, at the moment, the very moment that Zacharias writes his name is John, his tongue is loosed. And what did he do as soon as his tongue is loosed? Look, look here. It says he spake and praised God. This is another important thing because I think 
often we, we pray and we ask God for something like even safety on the roads to get here in the morning. How often after you ask God for something specific and He provides it, do you then take the time to say thank you for that specific provision that I just prayed for and you gave me? And as I'm saying this, I'm pointing to myself as well that this uh, is important. And fear came on all that dwelt round about them, and these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And you know, not only that, but they've echoed through the centuries through the pen of Luke in the Bible, in the Scriptures. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child will this be in the hand of the Lord? was with him. Remember a while back when we talked about Mary going to see Elizabeth? And it said that the babe in her womb leaped for joy. This is one of the unique experiences where the Holy Spirit was with this baby from the very moment of conception. And so we just see how God is rewarding the obedience of Zacharias. And as Zacharias receives his speech again, he praises God. The second part of this passage is a bold proclamation of God's faithfulness in the past. And what is to follow is is a prophecy by Zacharias He references some Old Testament stories. Once again, as in numerous times, tying the Old Testament with the New Testament. And this is uh, Luke 1, 67-75. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham that he might grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And so Zacharias is saying that God made a promise and now he's showing as he has numerous times that he's going to keep that promise. Let's look at some cross-references as we dig into this particular point. If someone could look up Psalm 111.9, someone else could look up Genesis 12.1-3, and then finally someone could look up Psalm 106.45. If we could just read those one after another, and then we will... Uh, get into their content and look at this point further. 
Genesis 12, 1-3. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land I will show thee. And I'll make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curse thee, and at thee all families of the earth be blessed. And finally, Psalm 106.45. And he remembered for them his covenant and repented according to the multitude of his mercies. All right. So we see in these passages talking about the redemption of Israel. You know, it's kind of interesting uh, when uh, Jesus in, in John chapter 8 says if the son therefore shall set you free you will be free indeed and the people of Israel said we've never been in bondage to anyone it's kind of extremely ironic that they would say that because they spent 400 years in bondage to the Egyptians And then we're led out not by the strength of Moses, not by his power because he was weak, because he said, I cannot speak plainly. Send someone else. No, they were led out by the power of Almighty God. And as we look at this passage in Genesis, we see God's promise to Abraham and we see that God told Abraham, not only will your nation be blessed, the nation that will come from your loins, but that that nation will be the means by which every other nation is blessed. You see, Jesus came first to the lost sheep of Israel. But then, in His mercy, He decided to give crumbs to the dog from the master's table. And he grafted you and I in. And he, and he allowed us who were once far off to come near by the blood of Jesus. And, he, and in that last verse, Psalm 106.45, he's not, he's not remembering what we did to save us. He's remembering His mercies. You know, the, the best thing that you can do when you appeal to God about something is to appeal to Him on the basis of His character. The psalmist does that repeatedly. He says, because of your loving kindness, because of your tenderness, because of your mercy. Why? Because there's none of those qualities in us. It's only in Jesus. And as Zacharias is standing here, he is laying the foundation for Jesus Christ. He is preparing the hearts of the people.
for the ministry of his son, John the Baptist. And he is not doing it of his own strength. This passage says that he is filled with the Holy Ghost. And unlike that period of time when the Holy Ghost only seems to appear at specific times, today we have the immense privilege of constantly having the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And of allowing the Holy Spirit or, or, or having God pour the Holy Spirit into us at specific times for specific purposes. Such as when Peter spoke after healing the lame man. This same Peter who was in the Garden of Eden, of Garden of Gethsemane and he said, I don't know the man. And he said it three times and then he went away and wept bitterly because he knew he was a coward. That same man, only it wasn't the same man. But the rejuvenated, the new Peter, went before the elders of Israel in Acts chapter 4 and said, If you must know by what power this lame man stands before you today, be it known unto you and to all your brethren that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, this man stands before you whole. Peter was not the same man when he received the Holy Spirit. And the same can be said of you if you will receive the free gift of God's Holy Spirit by accepting His salvation for your sins. There's an old quote that is, is often repeated. Sadly, I don't think most people in the world understand the significance of it, but it says, those who fail to learn from history are doomed. And all through the Old Testament, we see a pattern of rebellion in the children of Israel. They were led out of Egypt by ten powerful plagues. The first couple could be somewhat duplicated by the parlor tricks of Pharaoh's servants. But it quickly became apparent to them that they would not prevail. And they said to Pharaoh, Is this not even the finger of God? And how can you prevail against him? And yet, a few generations later, after Joshua is dead, the people of Israel forsake God because there arose a generation that knew not the Lord nor the works that he had done may that never be the case among the saints here in Holland or anywhere else in our great state or our country may we realize the importance of passing on our precious faith 
to the next generation. Zacharias is beginning to call people to separate themselves. He says that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. The call of God is one of righteousness and holiness. It's not one that we can do ourselves though. And so I'm glad that the next point is here. The third point of my message this morning is that God has a prophecy of hope for the future for both the children of Israel and for us. And uh, this next point will be Luke 1, 76 to 80. And starting to read in 76. And thou, child, he's talking about his son. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. To give light unto them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of the death to guide our feet to the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the desert till the day of his showing unto Israel. Now I don't know how long that period was, how long Elizabeth got to hold her young son, got to care for him on a daily basis. But at some point in his life, perhaps it was just shortly before Jesus left, but at some point in his life, he had to go forth from her and he had to go and dwell in the desert to prepare for the thing that God had for him. And one might say, why did he have to go to the desert? But again, we find in the desert a great training ground. For where did God visit Moses? Was it in the palaces of Egypt? No. It was in the desert near the mountain of Sinai through the burning of a bush. And Paul, when he was converted, he immediately preached Christ. This is true. But there was a period of his time that he doesn't write extensively about when he was in the desert learning from Christ himself the things that would later be borne out in Paul's epistles and in his ministry. 
So maybe today God has you in a desert. Maybe you feel thirsty. You feel like nothing's going right. You feel like you're in limbo. Might I encourage you that God likes to show up in deserts. Even Jesus himself went into the desert for 40 days to be tempted of the devil. But the end of that story is that the angels came unto him and ministered to him. And he was, and he was thus prepared to assume his ministry. I think that deserts are important. And this is a good word to me too because sometimes I feel like things are not progressing at the rate or the speed that I want them to. But I have to know that an all-seeing God, an all-knowing God, an almighty God sees and knows more than I will ever see or know. And that He has my best interest at heart. He has your best interest at heart. You want to know how I know this? Because He created you. Because He decided in some previous time or even before time that before the foundations of the world that you would come into the world and that He would have a plan for your life. You know how I know that He loves you? Because He created this world so that you could enjoy it. But you want to know ultimately how I know that He loves you? Because the very one who created this world so that you could enjoy it and breathe life into your lungs also died on a Roman cross for sins he did not commit. Hands that had only healed and helped and wiped away tears were nailed to a cross. Feet that always stayed on the path that God gave him and never did anything against the will of his Father were nailed to a cross. And why? Because we are sinners. As we said in the brothers' meeting, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but we've been justified freely by His grace. We've been brought close to God through the power of the cross. And I would encourage you to seek Him today. You know, maybe you come to church 
often and you find yourself not understanding anything that you hear or very little. Well, it's because the Holy Spirit is to be your guide and your teacher. And if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you haven't experienced the Holy Spirit and all that He can give you. So my question to you is, why are you waiting? In the next service, we're going to read about the continued fulfillment of this promise. We'll we'll read about a small little village where a small baby will be born who will change the very course of the world. And who can change the very course of your world today if you will let him. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for allowing us to look at this passage in the book of Luke and we thank you for your grace and mercy to Zacharias and for using him in such a mighty way and we just ask that you would bless us show us what you want us to know help us to know that even deserts are blessings Help me to know that, Father. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.